Good evening, everybody. It's Mario with Motorcycle Knuckle Busters, and we're back at it again. And I've got another great guest for you. Um, you know, we we talk about some of the folks that come on here, and uh, you know, great accomplishments, different things they do, um, their place in the motorcycle world and in the world in general. And this gentleman, very humble, doesn't seek the spotlight or anything like that, uh, but he deserves it. And so we're going to give him a little bit of spotlight tonight. We're going to talk about him. We're going to talk about his life. We're going to talk about all the great things he's done. Um, I've known him for a few years now, and I just have absolute respect for him. So without further ado, I want to introduce Rod Woodruff. Well, geez, I'm flattered by all of that. Thank you, Mario. Well, I and figure if I'm going to flatter somebody, it should be you, right? <laughs> well, and flattery is the wrong word to be using, right? But you know, truthfully, I'm honored to be on your show. So thank you. Well, we really we really appreciate you coming on. And for those of you that don't know, uh, Woody is uh, the owner and operator of the Sturgis Buffalo Chip. He's got a great team behind him. But, you know, just like uh, George Patton or any of those great leaders, you know, in the past, you know, um, he leads. And it's without your leadership and without your stewardship, the Buffalo chip wouldn't be the grand place that it is. But I want to talk about, you know, everything about, you know, talk about you, talk about the person you are. And I think a lot of people, you know, they, they may know who you are, but you know, they don't know, you know, a whole lot maybe about you. So I'd kind of like to start early, you know, let's tell me about where you were born and where you were raised. Uh, you know, I was born in uh, a little, uh, hospital in Miller, South Dakota, which was the top floor of a two-story wooden building. Uh, my grandfather worked in the grocery store that was on the first floor, and uh, the hospital was on the second floor. And my folks uh, lived uh, out on a, a farm that my grandparents had. Actually, my maternal grandparents had been given as a dowry um, for when they got married, right? And okay. uh, so, yeah, so we were like, mm, I don't know, 30 miles out of town or something. And uh, it, uh, it was a long time ago. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, I mean, so living, you know, growing up like that and being kind of remote, you know, what what did you do to connect to the world? Um, what was your means? Oh, you know, back then, you mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, once a week, I think, you know, we went to town. And uh, kind of like the uh, cash income was, you know, we had like a cream can and took some cream to town, sold it to the local dairy and uh, bought groceries and uh, rode back home. Maybe uh, shot a rabbit or two on the way back. My dad was a pretty good shot. And, uh, you know, if it was um, duck season or something, you might stop along the way some stock pond that was populated with some stuff that could fly. And, uh, you know, what we did when we went to town was he bought uh, comic books. And so um, out in the uh, farm, it's kind of quiet out there. And so he really taught me to read at a pretty young age with those comic books. So I was a pretty big fan of uh, Lone Ranger and, uh, you know, Roy Rogers, that kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah, it was all educational, right? Yeah. Well, you know what? It, it really is. I mean, I read comic books as a kid and, you know, that's, that started my love of reading and, and stories. And you now it's eventually that, uh, you know, you mature and you're, you know, what you start digesting becomes a little bit more complex. So, well, and then obviously did with you as well, right? <laughs> well, somewhere along the line, I don't know where it would have fit, but it had to be in a comic book because that's, the only thing we had around there to read it wasn't like anybody was dropping the paper off every day or anything. Right. And right. Uh, so, you know, I was probably four years old, maybe three, four years old. And I wanted a motorcycle so badly. And the only place I could have gotten that desire is from one of those comic books. Right. And I sure. hounded, hounded my parents about it until uh, one of those uh, holidays or something. I got a nice little, motorcycle about four inches long 
gold wheels, the whole motorcycle was gold. You know, you could turn the handlebars and the wheels would go around and I still have it, right? So that's my first motorcycle, but I, I don't remember where I got that, uh, you know, really need for a motorcycle, but that's where it started way back uh, out in the country and wasn't a motorcycle in, in sight. And so, you know, a few years later, I lived in town and fell, you know, come back from World War II and had uh, a uh, uh, Indian motorcycle. You know, he was pretty close to a hero at that time. I bet. So you you uh, you still have that motorcycle? Yeah, that's my first bike, right? So yeah, I got it in a little box in the treasure chest, right? <laughs> I should get it put up, but you know, wouldn't want to have it get broken or anything these days. No, but you know what? That's something that definitely bring out and show some folks. I mean, we can get a picture of that and show some people on the page. I'd love to because, wow, that's that's fantastic. I just absolutely love that. So, I mean, so here you are, you know, you, you, um, you know, you're reading comic books, you're living out on the farm, you know, you're, you're already starting to build your love of motorcycles. And then where did you go to school? I mean, so you were quite a ways out of town. So tell me about that. Well, you know, well, actually, a few miles from the house, there was a country school, a one-room schoolhouse, just kind of like, this is my Abe Lincoln story. Only we don't want to go that quite that far. There were no logs in it. But, you know, it was a one-room country school with maybe a dozen students and one teacher, right? So, you know, all, all uh, grades um, studied and had classes in the same room and had the same teacher. And, uh, you know, we, uh, sometimes we'd ride horses to, uh, school. There weren't any school buses or anything. And really you, uh, wasn't like we had cars that could get around that well either. So, you know, after, after a time, people were riding horses to school, had a little stable there where you could, uh, tie them up for uh, the school hours and then ride home. So you guys did Lori Ingalls proud, huh? <laughs> so it uh, wasn't really any big deal. It's just what happened. And it, and I didn't do that for a long time and it wasn't anything exotic. It was, you know, um, I should remember the names, but we had two Morgans. And so, you know, here's this little uh, uh, twerp uh, starting the first grade and, uh, you know, riding a Morgan, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a big old horse right there. So, you know, uh, yep, I think Nelly and not, was, and not the fast and not the fastest horse. I mean, they can be if they want, but usually they take their time, don't they? <laughs> yep. So anyway, then, you know, move to the, move to the city, you know, um, kind of like a lot of folks probably experienced. My father came back from world war two with, a you know, a little habit formed from a daily ration of rum. And uh, so yeah. my mother got kind of tired of that and we ended up moving to town. And uh, so I went to school there in grade school until my father passed away and moved uh, to another another town, did a little bit of uh, um, school there. I'm in high school, kind of had some issues and started uh, bouncing around with relatives to uh, stay and uh, eventually came back home for my senior year of high school and lived with my mother and and uh, then uh, started college and um, had a little car accident I was a passenger in and broke a lot of things so kind of missed uh, that first year and then uh, got out of the cast and it was uh, time to join the military and do the uh, military service, right? So did the military service, um, was an accountant actually, so I was not in combat or anything. And uh, so got out of that and decided better go to uh, uh, California because that was kind of where everything was happening, right? So went to, you know, went to Orange and then went to, you know, L.A., in Redwood City up in San Francisco, hung out there. You know, got to hang out at the Fillmore for a period of time when uh, Bill Graham was really just starting it. Right. So I had some uh, good times there. One of the few people that ever probably had to be carried out of the Fillmore by Bill Graham. 
So tell, um, so tell me about the film works. Tell me some of the bands you've seen. I mean, like you see guys like Moby Grape and you know the Dead, or, and it, I mean they were all playing there. That was the place you had the West, you had the East. Yeah, the Dead would play there, and that and um, um, there was a well, you know. So actually, Jefferson Airplane. This was in yep. those days, right? Um, Quicksilver Messenger Service. Another great band. Yeah, you know so. Had a bunch of, of those. Had the privilege of, you know, um, oh, Joe Cocker. First time I see it, show Joe Cocker, he got shown up, and introduced him as a big friend of uh, Leon Russell's, and yeah, holy smokes, what a what a night that was. But anyway, so actually, and, and just to give you a little spec uh, on uh, how technology has changed, we had all that psychedelic. Um, stuff going on in the video screen, you know? Yeah. That was, that was a film projector out there. And on top of the uh, deal, we had a little jar of water to transport. Then we just poured oil, colored oil on the top of it, and then we move it around with our fingers. Oh, right. That's awesome. Yeah, because so I've, seen, I've seen the older ones. They got the little wheel that spins around that kind of gives yeah. those colors. But that's that's new. Yeah, that's we had cool. to use our fingers. So that was... <laughs> You know, so that makes me a, a high tech person, right? So, but anyway, so we had some fun. Lee Michaels probably sticks out because I never heard anything as loud as Lee Michaels, um, right? So I'm probably probably lost my, some hearing there for um, for sure. So, I, I have always been totally in love with that period of time in music and. And you know the you know the Fillmore West. I mean, the East had a lot of things going on too, which he started later. But the West was the original; it was the standard. And I mean, I love seeing the old posters from those shows. You know, the playbills were just—they're so collectible now. I mean, three, four, five thousand dollars for an original one. Yeah, you know, they were all very imaginative. Um, yeah, you know, but it wasn't like we went around uh, collecting them. Savoy Brown was kind of one of my favorites of those days too but um it uh and he's still around uh, kicking around so yeah but anyway and then uh actually i was reminded about that when somebody declared a pandemic a couple years back and uh and i thought well that, that was pretty terrifying and then i heard somebody say well this could be as bad as the pandemic of 69 and i thought pandemic of 69 you know, I took my three-year-old daughter to, with 300,000 of our very closest friends right to Aldemont for the stones and all that kind of stuff. And you know, I don't remember anybody backing off because there was a pandemic going on, right? So, it's a perspective historically for all that stuff. But, yeah, so Aldemont was uh, one of those things that you can remember. I've never had, uh, never had the desire to see the movie, but I uh, remember the – I remember the event. Sure. Well, when you've been there, you don't need to see a, you know something talking about it because you've been there, done that. So, you know, who cares? So, so now you went, you ended up, you, you eventually ended up going to law schools. Where did you go to law school at? Um, South Dakota, uh, Vermilion, South Dakota University of South Dakota. I uh, while I was in the service, um, I picked up some uh, night classes, and when I was uh, in uh, Redwood City, I worked as a cost accountant for a large corporation and picked up a couple more classes there. And so, yeah, I decided to go to law school and uh, couldn't really afford it. But I figured, you know, South Dakota, I don't think had any tuition at the time and uh, cost of living was pretty low, you know, even by those standards. Sure. So, but, you know, once a resident, probably always a resident, they let me come back to the state and go to school as a resident. So I got my degree in business administration and uh, then uh, went on to law school there and then was really headed back to the Bay Area, I thought. But uh, I run across this place called the Black Hills and I thought, damn, this is nice and had a had a bunch of friends that uh we kind of hung out together, the hole in the sky gang, right? Okay. And, uh, so there's a, a mountain up here that's 
Well, the tallest peak between the Rockies and Switzerland, and uh, it, all the gold mining stuff had died. There was a mining town there that was vacant. And so several of us picked up cabins, little houses in uh, Trojan, South Dakota, um, and uh, decided that well, we hang out there. So then I started practicing law in a town called Belfouche. Right. Sure. Yeah, they just had a hell of a hailstorm there, didn't they? Oh, well, you watch the news too much. Um, but uh, yeah, you're right. So, you know, and, and really that was Belfouche was the largest uh, cattle shipping point in the United States for God a long time. Was it really? Yeah, the know. cowboy movie with John Wayne, he refers to it as the cow town, right? But basically it was the place you could get across the Belfouche River, right? Okay. And uh, they, uh, Calamity Jane had a little place there on Saloon Street. And, uh, you know, the Butch Cassidy's Hole in the Wall gang did their first bank job at Belfouche. I happened to have the vault that was in the safe in the bank at the time. But I think they got $69.34. They made some real comedies about that because one of the guys really did get so drunk he fell off the horse as they were leaving. But, Anyway, it, uh, you know, it's just an interesting, interesting uh, country. If you're uh, into Western history at all, you know, Seth Bullock, uh, you know, and, you know, Teddy Roosevelt riding across the uh, place where I lived, actually, just about. And uh, it, uh, you know, the whole town, it's, uh, it was pretty cool. So I practiced law there for 28 years and, um then, I, you know, somewhere along the line, I found out about these motorcycle things that were hanging around over here and uh, yeah. started uh, monkeying around with the motorcycle business and motorcycle industry. So you were doing so before before the chip got going. Then what what were you doing in the motorcycle industry? I'm sorry, I didn't understand. So were you doing stuff before you got the chip going? You were involved in the motorcycle industry then? Nope. Um, you know, I had a, had a wonderful Suzuki 400 and rode okay. through the hills and rode through the uh, Badlands uh, every chance we had. So we did a, did a lot of riding around, but, you know, they're really living here. Didn't know there was such a thing as a Sturgis motorcycle rally. I first heard about it. Actually, I was visiting my brother in a town about 340 miles east of here. And uh, the uh, he said he I didn't even know he had a motorcycle. He said, yeah, he and some friends go out to the hills every year and ride around for a couple of days. And uh, that's and he didn't call it Sturgis or anything like that. Just come out here to ride around for a couple of days with some buddies. Right. And, uh, so that was my first awareness of that. And then I come back one time. I'd been privileged to uh, attend the. Uh, National Bar Association in New York and uh, come back. Friend was giving me a ride from the airport and we look over there and there's a bunch of motorcycles, a bunch, you know, a couple dozen motorcycles in the hill and somebody trying to get up the hill on a motorcycle. So, you know, pulled over and stopped to see what's going on. And that uh, didn't associate that with any big rally or Sturgis motorcycle rally or anything either. Just it was out by where the Jack Pine gypsies still are. And, uh, you know, the remarkable thing about that was that we watched it long enough until Harley Davidson actually made it to the top of the hill. And that was a big cause for celebration because Harley hadn't apparently made it yet that day. Right. right. And, uh, so anyway, and then, uh, you know, a little later, um, probably three or four years later, you know, Sturgis was uh, in the process of trying to keep motorcycles out of town because there were just too many motorcyclists and they didn't uh, like the way they behaved and, uh, you know, just didn't want them around. So they were just trying to get rid of them. And uh, part of the way I worked my way through high school was by throwing keg parties. And I thought, you know, we could uh, really, if they didn't want them in town, we could just have a little party outside of town, right? And so that's really how I got started with that. I, you know, we had other other little things. I had a 
pizza ranch on or uh, not a pizza ranch. That's a trade name, but a little pizza shop and, you know, that sort of thing. Did some other business stuff on the side of my law practice, but uh, then it was just kind of a natural deal here. We'd go over here to Sturgis, look for some property, find a place where we might be out of town far enough so they couldn't object to it too much and uh, close enough so they could get to it. Right. And just uh, decided we'd throw a party and let people know about it. And wouldn't you know, people go where they feel welcome. And so people started coming. We'd have a bonfire. Everybody stand around the bonfire, you know, telling stories, that kind of stuff, drinking beer. Um, Didn't you have a couple of guys or a few that came out and camped down? There was a crash now on your property. Um, you know, we had, downtown. we had, uh, you know, we had people that uh, decided they'd just sleep on the ground for a while, which is why one year a um, lady named Anderson, who was apparently, she was in the county government somewhere issuing permits and stuff. We didn't have any permits, never thought to ask for any. And uh, that's really not the way to throw keg parties, you know. And so, <laughs> you know. And she, she started telling me, well, you need to do this and you need to do that, right? Um, and people are staying out there, so you need to be a campground. So that's really where the campground thing came from. Okay. And, you know, that's how simple things uh, happen. And so since she was on my case, we had to become a campground. So then the next thing you know, she said, well, now you need water out there. So then we, you know, put in a couple wells and uh, – you know, just one thing after another. Every year it was something, right? So, um, but, you know, now 41 years later, um, we kind of look for things ourselves, ways for improving grounds every year. But back then, really, we were just having our own little party. And so, right. you know, and just trying to get by. So now, so, you know, you, you alluded, you know, it's 40, this is going to be 41 years. So, you know, this past year, uh, 2021 was 40 years of doing this. I mean, so uh, quite, quite historic in, in, in the context of things. So, but you've had, you kind of alluding with government and, and some of the situations uh, you had, you know, not some of it, just not knowing, but some of it has been difficult. So, so back in 90, in 1994, I mean, there was a there was a court case that was uh, Buffalo Beer versus Meek County Commissioners. So tell tell me a little bit about that and kind of some of the history of, you know, what you've had to you know deal with at times trying to operate your business there. Well, it wasn't too long after we started that uh, City of Sturgis decided that maybe they'd made a mistake trying to um, drive bikers out of town. And that we were having too much fun out here and that they would like to have some of those bikers come back to town. And so um, there's a, you know, there's a little bit more of an in-depth story there. But so then what happened was uh, they uh, had a little community gathering. And then when our liquor license came up for renewal, they just denied us our licenses. And so we worked without licenses for a few years until uh, we kind of got that uh, reversed. So, um, but we started off without licenses. So um, we we just had a few years there where everything was free and we were not licensed. So, you know, everything was free at that time. I thought we didn't need to have a license again. So it worked out all right. But, you know, we survived survived it, you know, largely because people enjoyed being here again. Sure. We never, never quit inviting people. And then now you ran into a problem too with even being being a campground, right? Uh, you know, I think there's something wrong with my computer, maybe. But would you repeat that again? Yeah, didn't you run into an issue with uh, being, a, you know, even operating as a campground where you weren't able to charge admission or something? Oh, uh, we just did it that way. Oh, okay. Uh, nobody told us we had to be free or we couldn't uh, charge money. Um, I just got upset and decided, well, hell with it then. We'll just make it free and uh, okay. just do it anyway. And 
So we got through it. So I don't remember that particular case because actually we've been we've had uh, more than one case. Um, yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we've been to we've been to court a few times. So we've been to the Supreme Court more than once. Um, but you know, we're here to have a party. By golly. So, well, you know, it's it's amazing. You've you've been to the Supreme Court more than once, and you know. A lot of times, you know, you can't even get a case to ever even be get reviewed by the Supreme Court. So that's pretty amazing right there. Well, it's not the U.S. Supreme Court. This is I know, state. it's been state Supreme Court. But even there, it's not, it's not an easy task. Um, well, yeah, maybe it's too easy because you have to uh, have somebody on your case in the first place. So, you know, the old saying, you know, bikers have only two enemies, right? You know, rust and politicians. And uh, politicians have caused us a lot more trouble than rust. Sure. Absolutely. So, you know, so now we've been, you know, you've been operating for 40, you know, this is going to be the 41st year for the Buffalo Chip. You know, you've become renowned as, you know, uh, you're the biggest music festival in the Dakotas. I mean, I don't know if a lot of people realize that. Um but you, you know, the, the campgrounds are are very large. I mean, all the amenities are there. Um, there's all kinds of guests that come in. You know, just from, you know, the regular, you know, dusty biker on a chopper that shows up that road cross country to people coming in and you know, RVs worth a couple of million dollars. So, what makes the what makes the Buffalo Chip so successful being able to blend all those people because I've attended a number of times I've been there and I'm just amazed at the camaraderie and, and what your staff and what you're able to pull off. You know, you might think I'm just being hokey or something, but I, I tell people this, it's kind of like the musicians will come and the agents and the managers. I mean, we're, we're legendary. We started off being legendary in the industry, and I never appreciated that. I mean, we were just here a couple of years, and we were getting busloads of uh, musicians from Nashville that uh, chipped in to rent a bus and come out here and just party and, and put on music, right? Hoyt Axton come along, Wolfman Jack come along. Those people just come because they wanted to be part of it. Sam Kennison. I mean, we just had a party, and – the uh, um, professional people would say, how can you have so many people here and never have any trouble? And I'd just say, you know, it's really, it's just all nice people here, right? All these people here are motorcyclists and motorcycle enthusiasts, and they're here on vacation and they're making friends. And uh, we really don't have any, any trouble. So, and we like to keep it that way. Absolutely. So, I mean, so of all the different people, I mean, you've had some, you know, I've had legendary guests, I mean, from Steven Tyler and, and different, you know, folks like this. Any Anybody stand out in your mind as far as, you know, that you, you truly enjoyed having there? You know, there isn't, there's probably only one artist that ever, irritated me just because he wasn't here for the public. Right. Right. All of our artists are here to do the best damn show that they can do. Um, I believe sincerely that, and this comes from all of the feedback I get from the professionals in the industry and, and uh, the artists themselves, you know, they like it here. They love the audience. This is a unique place. And, and I, I tell everybody here, there's a certain magic about this place, this piece of dirt out here. There's just a certain magic out here that uh, I don't understand it, don't know exactly what it is, but I know we don't want to screw it up. And so far, um, we haven't. I mean, people come here, they make friends, they have a good time, they go home, they take, uh, you know, they got their photographs, they have their memories, and uh, then they come back and they bring people with them that hadn't been here before. And, uh, it, uh, it's just a wonderful thing. It's kind of like it got to the point where all, all my friends were friends that I met because of this business being in this little uh, campground out in the middle of nowhere, right? And when I say nowhere, I mean, when we started, we could never get anybody to even figure out what South Dakota was or where it was. 
couldn't get artists to come here because nobody had ever, you know, it was just not on anybody's mind or anybody's circuit uh, tour deal. And really over the years, that's changed. And, uh, you know, I like to think we probably had a pretty big part of that because we, uh, we brought in, uh, you know, lots of, lots of folks. I know when we had Kid Rock in 2004, he was still kind of at the beginning of his uh, rock career, you know, shortly after he crossed over and started doing the multi um, types of music. Um, you know, we, we had him out here and there were so many people around. I mean, it was just so many people that traffic was jammed all the way into Sturgis, which was four miles at that time and through town and out on I-90 um, and for a mile on I-90 traffic was jammed. And so I take credit for the um, government immediately building the longest um, exit on any interstate anywhere at Sturgis, exit number 32 um, westbound because they didn't want to have traffic backed up again and uh, they wouldn't do anything else to alleviate traffic so they just had to make a longer approach. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy. But that's kind I, of like the high point. So, you know, all the artists that we have, they just wear their hearts out for the for the bands. I, you know, I got two people that stick out like nobody else, and it's because of storms. And in 2005, we were doing a 13-episode television series, and Toby Keith was on stage. And the storm came in and we were having a little meet and greet and just getting ready for the meet and greet. And Toby's there and that first drop of rain hit his hat and he looked at me and he said, we got to get on stage. Right. He went and got his band. They got on stage. It started raining cats and dogs. And, uh, you know, they hung in there. He had Ford sponsorship and they had half of a Ford F-150 hanging in the middle of the backdrop on the stage. The wind was blowing 40 to 60 miles an hour, blew pieces of that thing off, and they got soaking wet. We had a, it was the early days, 2005, we had a little internet antenna on one of the um, posts of the uh, stage, and lightning struck and wiped that out. He played right through it, and uh, when it was over, of course, it quit raining about two minutes after he was done, but he paid everybody in his band an extra $2,000 bonus for sticking with him during the storm, right? Kid Rock did that twice um, as well. And in 2013, um, about a quarter of a mile, a little over a quarter of a mile up on the hill from the stage is our water tower, right? And yep. right, you know, it was 11.30 at night. We were shooting a live concert for uh, country music television. And, uh, you know, it's 11.30, raining cats and dogs. The crowd was right there. I mean, nobody even gets wet because they're packed together so tightly. Lightning struck that water tower, lit everybody up. And a photographer, Michael Lichter, had been on our Peewee platform, Peewee Herman platform, I call yep. it. And just clicking his shutter, just the same millisecond that lightning struck that water tower. And it lit up the whole crowd. You can't see a shadow anyplace. I mean, it's just brilliant. Um, and he played right on through it. And before that, you know, there was an issue about the deal. And he's in the dressing room pacing and going kind of back and forth. And he says, you know, I don't know who I'd stand in the rain for an hour and a half to wait and see, but I'm going to give him the best show I can. Right. And, uh, you know, those stick out. Right. Like nobody else. So, yeah, those two are saints in my book. That's wonderful. Yeah. Now. Last year, I mean, so Kid Rock played there, huge crowd. What what was the size? What was the estimated size of that crowd? Oh, there was a couple dozen at least. Um, you know, say so. Yeah, you know, numbers are a funny game. So in 2004, I was telling you about this, you know, the next morning, it was about six o'clock, there's a local radio station over here about a mile away. And, um, uh, KBHB and uh, it's six o'clock in the morning on the news. The announcers on there said, Hey, there was 260,000 people at the Buffalo chip last night. Right. And I'm, <laughs> I think, you know, how ridiculous that kind of a number is. Right. I mean, that's ridiculous. And, but the really fun part was about 10 o'clock, he came on and make a correction. 
right? He said he had it on good authority. There was only 140,000 people at the chip last night for that concert, right? And uh, yeah, so numbers are, we never do numbers. So we had more than a couple dozen people there for sure. But uh, we didn't didn't have 260,000 people here ever. No, no. We've had over the years, but not ever at once. It it was packed to the gills for that show. It was pretty amazing. And uh, it it was fun. So, um, you know, people were, you know, they were happy to get out from under that blanket of COVID, uh, whatever you want to call it. So tell me, I mean, you know, you... Um, the governor last year, you had the governor uh, as your guest at the Legends Ride. Um, you know, she rode in on her horse, you know, she, uh, sold that great painting and everything else. But I want to talk about the fact that you, the governor, the people of South Dakota stood up against, you know, what they were trying to do to us. You know, you protect you. You were instrumental along with her in protecting, you know, I feel like our our civil liberties, our freedoms. So tell me about that. You know, I hadn't thought of it that way at the time, but, you know, I early on, I said, you know, the only way we're not going to have this show and have people here is if they put National Guards at the gate and won't let people in, right? And then all of a sudden he became concerned whether or not that might really happen, right? Because, sure. you know, that's not supposed to be the way this country works. And so I just told everybody out loud, I mean, the city of Sturgis wanted to cut shut down the the rally and they were looking for excuses and looking for allies and, and, uh, and really some at the state were as well. And I, I talked with a legislator here just a couple of weeks ago um, who had been on a late night 4 a.m. Uh, meeting with uh, 26 of the other legislators talking about whether or not to try to talk the governor into or out of shutting the uh, uh, state down because everybody else was doing it. And, it said, you know, the Buffalo Chips already said they aren't going to shut down. So people are coming. So we might as well do it as well. And that's the same thing that the city of Sturgis said, you know, well, the Buffalo Chips going to do it anyway. So people are coming anyway. So we should be, you know, and so that, it just kind of it rolled from rolled from that. So it's kind of one of those cases where maybe one little person made a positive impact. That's a real possibility. Uh, it's, uh, I think uh, from everything and talking to people, I think it's more than a possibility. I think essentially your actions, your statements, you saved the rally. And, uh, you know, you were saving, you know, you you were doing what you felt was right. And, you know, people all the time, you know, are, are given a choice of doing the thing that's right. You did the thing that was right. And I think that you're going to be remembered very well for that and should be, you know, and, and in my heart, you will be. So. And I want to talk about, I want to talk a little bit about the heart, you know, because you've, we talked about, you know, you fighting for your rights, you know, in court, you, you stood up to COVID and everything else. But I want to talk about something that I don't think you're the most comfortable person talking about, but I'd like to talk about it. And it's what you do to raise money and the charitable things that you do. I mean, in 2021, you raised a pretty outstanding amount. Now I have that in front of me, but you know, I'd like you to tell how many uh, tell people how much money uh, you and the Buffalo Chip raised. Um, you know what? I don't really know. Um, for years, we didn't keep track of it. Um, it wasn't a wasn't an issue. Um, you know, we have some we have some different incidents, but all throughout, you know, we we met opposition not just to be in business, but we even had opposition for raising money for charities. And, you know, one of the, one of the, the, one of the, as it turned out, one of the best things that that happened was we were raising money for a children's home um, up in the Black Hills. And uh, the, uh, and and the home was mostly for Native American kids who um, were, taken from abusive situations and didn't have foster care yet. So they were in this home. And so we're donating to that. And uh, we did that for two or three years and they uh, decided, Oh, we, uh, we announced that we were going to have Pee Wee Herman here. Right. Um, Which I thought was just going to be a hoot, right. Coming in. Yeah. We do the world's biggest tequila dance and, 
you know, have Pee Wee Herman doing a motorcycle thing and so on. And it was huge. But just because of that, you know, they decided three weeks before the rally, they called us and told us that uh, they wouldn't accept any donations from the uh, uh, bikers and uh, they wouldn't take any uh, donations from the Buffalo Chip. And so we went shopping around for, you know, some other deals. And that's where we ended up with the local uh, uh, Special Olympics, which was uh, really an incredible organization. It was 100% volunteer. All the officers and uh, people running the show were volunteering their own time and their own money and their own vehicles um, for the thing. And we started off with, with them. But I guess it goes way back. You know, we built, the. I think it was the third Habitat for Humanity house. And I say we, actually, it was people that come to the chip that uh, built the house. So we during the rally, we built a house for Habitat for Humanity. And after the rally, um, we had a little trouble um, whether or not the uh, city was going to let us place it in, in town, right? Um, crazy stuff like that, that... Uh, just uh, just a, a raft of little things like that. So those are the things I remember about uh, the charity stuff is you can't really do anything to please everybody. But uh, yeah. there's a lot of organizations that are in need. And uh, I tell you some of the things that we do, and I don't take any credit for it at all, but I have, uh, we do the, our, our freedom celebration every year. We started, a, you know, what amounts to a, just a well, we got 808 flags we put up out here in formation. Yep. We got a 50 by 80 foot flag that for years we flew up, uh, you know, because actually is uh, one of the vets that uh, had cancer pretty badly from uh, burn pits and uh, figured he, he wanted to have that flag flown in all 50 states. And we were the last one he wanted to be at the rally. And he figured he only had a couple more months left to live. And turned out he was right. But so he gave me that flag, or I bought that flag from him, and uh, with the condition that we'd fly it, right? So we flew that sucker for a, a long, long time. And uh, we, this is our 32nd, I think, annual um, military, or it isn't a military tribute, it's a freedom celebration. And we got the uh, 80% replica of the Vietnam Wall set up yep. behind it. And uh, really that, and then every year we pick some uh, veterans that uh, stand out for service that they did, saving some other people's lives, that sort of thing, um, sacrificing their own maybe or, or practically and, and uh, maybe dif different pieces of their body, protecting other people. And uh, given those awards, just watching people see those 808 flags and walk through them, walk by the uh, missing man uh, tribute that's in the middle of the flags, going to the Vietnam Wall, seeing the names of somebody that they knew or one of their ancestors. Um, it, uh, yeah, it's pretty powerful stuff. So really more, more proud probably of that if we have to be proud of something, you know, but We've, we've donated quite a bit of money. Um, or the people that come here through events that we set up have donated quite a bit of money to different charities. And we'll do that again this year. You know, we start off, I think, with, uh, you know, and uh, I don't even know just exactly how many things we do give um, to, much less how many dollars goes there. But Things that stick out is like on Monday, we have the Legends Ride. You know, Billy Lane will be there as one of our celebrities. Um, you know, Kevin Sorbo, who was, you know, hugely famous when he was uh, Hercules on television, had the number one show in the world, I think, for six or eight years. Um, you know, some other folks. Tom Berenger has been here, uh, who became a really good friend, came, worked uh, you know, there are Earl Dotson, um, Green Bay Packers, uh, little Super Bowl ring wear. And, you know, I mean, it's amazing. You, you get to have lunch with somebody like Earl Dotson, for example. And, uh, you know, people are so interested, right? Um, so respectful, but so interested. And Earl's one of those really humble guys. But, you know, yes, he'll, tell you, he'll tell you what happened, right? And it's kind of like Tom Berenger. You want to go all the way back to all those Vietnam movies, all that kind of stuff. I mean, 
he's been in so many, many movies and, uh, he, you know, he's worked with the biggest stars in the, the business and you get a chance to have lunch with those guys and just ask them questions and the things that people are interested in. And then it's all for charity. So, you know, I just line stuff up like that and people give money and we pass it along to the, uh, charities and, uh, it works out, uh, pretty well. We, uh, with the Special Olympics, for example, since they were all doing donating their time and their money, their own money, um, and just needed more, I just ask them. I say, well, if we're going to give money to the charity, we've got to be able to. I don't want something just going to a general fund. I want our people to be able to see something that they accomplish by making these donations. So, what is it you guys really need? what they needed was a bus because they didn't have any transportation for people. So we bought them a bus with uh, the proceeds of the uh, legends ride, plus the insurance and the operating expenses and stuff. And then the next thing was they needed a gymnasium so that the kids would have some place to, you know, do some exercising, right. And just, uh, you know, just do some kid things. And so there was a, you know, a, a unusable, gymnasium it just needed restoration new floor that sort of thing new ceiling some lockers dressing room kind of you know so we did that and so now we're in the process of uh lining up a um, softball field for them um so, you know and yeah and the sturgis motorcycle museum hall of fame we gave them enough money to uh eventually remodel and build on an addition and more than double the size of the place right um, so, you know, you can see where your money went. And we, when we do that, 100% of the money goes to the charities. So we don't uh, funnel any of that off for ourselves either as far as that goes. The uh, donations are made straight uh, for the, the charity. So it just makes life easy for us. And, and it's something um, we enjoy doing. Well, I got to tell you, you know, some of those events that, that you're talking about, I've had the pleasure of being part of the uh, of the uh, the veteran event and everything there, and, and being part of that. And that's that's pretty special. But the Legends ride's a lot of fun, and uh, for people that don't know that, you mean you guys kick it off? You kick that off in Deadwood. Um, you know, the, the ride goes out through the Black Hills, but it's really the buildup. It's being able to folks, like you said, could come have lunch with these different individuals and, and get to meet them and get a little personal with them and then be able to go on a ride with them through the Black Hills, ending up there at the Buffalo Chip, um, having a little bit more fellowship time together, um, and then going on and seeing the show that night. I mean, that's a pretty special day. Um, and I don't know of another ride in the country that really – brings all those elements together like you and your team do there. That's pretty fantastic. Well, it's a lot of fun uh, what it is. I mean, you know, now you're making me think of some really fun instances, you know, because Steven Tyler missed the turn, right? And, you know, yeah. and Pee Wee Herman led the ride, but he was on a little bicycle with his, with his helmet and all that kind of stuff and come down and, you know, we had, we had, uh, 12 minutes live on the tonight show with Jay Leno still had it and uh, funnier die had come to the chip and made a, you know, something there too. And I tell you, Paul Rubens is just such a professional. Um, it's, uh, it's really impressive. You know, you see people who really are professionals at their craft and, and it's art. It's, it's, uh, it's really just super cool. And, and really the uh, knowledge that these artists have because they've researched the characters that they play so they know all these little pieces of history um it's amazing some of the most intelligent people i've ever met they just know so much and it's all because they've studied for all these parts i guess you don't really get an academy award without putting effort into it right sure absolutely kind of yeah i I've, I've, I've so enjoyed the genuineness of the people that are there. And you talk about Tom Berenger. He's always very genuine. And, uh, you know, guys like D. Snyder. I think uh, I was shocked the first time to sit down with D. Snyder and talk to him for a while. That guy's very sharp. He's a very intelligent guy. You know, he's one of the three people who testified in Congress in protect, yep. you know, 
to for free speech, right? We need, you know, we need D back again. That's what it comes down to because we've we lost, we've loosened, we are losing free speech rapidly. Yeah, unfortunately, we very much are. We very much are. So now I was reading something, you know, about uh, something new that's going to be happening at the chip this year. So I think you're you're teaming up with Easy Rider, a few other folks, uh, Ride TV, and there's going to be, I understand, pay-per-view. So for folks that can't make it. So tell us about this. Oh, you know, um, Easy Rider was kind of like everybody's Bible, I think, for motorcycle stuff. I mean, the, when uh, Joe picked up in the name and made a magazine out of it about the same time the movie started, maybe a year later, um, you know, it, it, it just picked up steam and it just became motorcycle. There are lots of other motorcycle magazines and stuff, but it just seemed to me like Easy Rider had a special magic there for a lot of years. And so it uh, went defunct and uh, this gentleman named Ray Pelosi licensed the, it and promised to bring it back. And uh, I think he's doing a pretty stellar job of it as a matter of fact. And so part of the way he did that is he hired some of the original um, people that made the magazine great in the first place. Like they call some people like that. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so they're, uh, they're having a good time with this and it's making it work. And then, so one of them come up with the idea that uh, maybe we should have a pay-per-view the ride TV um, fellow is a uh, pretty, uh, pretty astute media person as well. And so they come out, looked around and thought, well, we can do this. And, you know, it's going to be up to them to how to make that work. But I think it's uh, it's live streaming. And what they'll do is they'll do live streaming. They'll take film from all around the hills where people are riding, that sort of thing. And uh, quite a little bit of activity that goes on out here. And, uh, and then after the rally, um, anybody can stream on it and they can look at the streams as I understand it for something like two or three weeks after the rally. And uh, during that period of time, the editors will be working on making some television shows, one or more shows out of all the footage that they're ringing out here. So that might put motorcycling back kind of in the mainstream for a, a while, because for, you know, everything works in cycles. It seems like in 15 years or so ago, um, there was a raft of motorcycles everywhere on, uh, you know, TV. And uh, that kind of went away and it's real low. And I, I guess I got a sense of that when uh, some of the television networks started looking for motorcycle content here about a year ago, thinking that it's time to maybe get back to paying some attention to those folks that like the freedom of the road. Sure. Sure. So now, um, excuse me, I should have turned that off and didn't. So I got it now. So is there, uh, any particular things we should be looking forward to being that we're going to see about the chip and the activities there? You know, I was just looking at my computer, um, before we started this, and there was an article there on my Google alerts and said, Stur- you know, Sturgis Buffalo Chip announces 25 bands, 54 events, 10 bike shows. And, you know, and I didn't, I said, wait a minute, I gotta, I gotta keep going. I didn't read it because I had to keep going, find out how I was going to make it to this thing without being late. Cause I'm notorious about getting involved in something and time goes by and I miss uh whatever it is I'm supposed to be doing. So I, uh, you know, is there anything special? I think there's a lot of things. We have been working our tail off of the, the crew that we have here on making some improvements and stuff around here. The gun show, I think, is going to really stick out, right? And uh, so we've got, I think, maybe 16 manufacturers of firearms and some okay. manufacturers of ammunition, and they're going to set up over at the rifle range, uh, we have here at the chip. And yep. uh, so then you're going to be able to go over there and look at some um, guns, for example, that haven't even hit the market yet, brand new products that are going to be coming out this year, or maybe they're just released here um, to start with. And uh, I think they set 50,000 rounds of ammo aside 
for the folks from the chip that wanted to go out and test fire some of these firearms, right? And so it's free admission. Um, okay. Yeah, they're just here to, to let people see their wares. So we're going to have, I don't know how many firearms out there um, and ammunition, and I don't know just exactly what else because really we uh, – the way the politics and the way that everything has gone and we've been so doggone busy that uh, just really didn't get it together until, you know, a couple of days ago. And so about a week ago, um, they com- the crew came out for um, the, the ride TV, right. And looking around at how this was going to work and play out. And they thought, man, this is just perfect. It's going to be fantastic. Um, and they, you know, just went on talking about stuff that television people would uh, know exactly what they were talking about, but not necessarily me. Then I got to tell them, yeah, that hill that we're going to be shooting into um, during the rally is going to be covered with sunflowers, and they're going to be all smiling at you as you're shooting at them, right? <laughs> and so it's uh, it's going to be, you know, that's a big deal, I think, uh, because I think, you know, um, we wouldn't really have anything of the First Amendment or the rest of the amendments without the Second Amendment. And uh, so we're just proud to have a gun fest here. So about what it is, I, I refer to it as a mini SHOT Show, right? If people sure. have ever been to the SHOT Show in Las Vegas, it's Thank one you. of the biggest things that goes on anywhere. And, uh, you know, we're, so we've got a mini SHOT Show out here, and it's free. So everybody that wants to come out at the chip they can do it even if they're not here at the chip. They can come out and uh, see the uh, firearms and talk with the people and try stuff out. Shoot, 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 shoot. So, you know, talk about things that are free. I think sometimes people think, you know, Buffalo chip, it's uh, pay to get in. You know, that's the only thing you have there. But it's not. You know, I like to mention to people, you've got the crossroads area. That's where you hold all the bike shows. All right. There's some bars there. There's bike washes. There's uh, you can get your motorcycle fixed by Fozzie, different people like that. You've got the wall of death. You've got all kinds of things that you put up there. You've got the Michael Lichter show. If you go uh, around to the other side of the campground, that's also free once it opens up. And now you're adding the shot show. So, I mean, for even for people that aren't staying or coming for the concert, uh, there's still a lot to do and, and reason to come out there, isn't there? Mid-America Outdoors is doing off-road racing on the hill over at the Power Sports Complex. Um, I think we're going to be restoring the hill climb um, probably next year, if not this year. But, you know, they're coming out for the first year doing that. That'll be also live streaming and more television kind of stuff. Um, And then there's, uh, yeah, there's just a number of really um, stupid stunt tricks, right, by motorcycle enthusiasts who just think this is a lot of fun, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. And um, and you got other people that want to raise money and have, you know, causes. Sean Ives, the Ives Brothers, uh, the Wall of Death, uh, you know, and the, the Globe of Death. I mean, all those things that come around. And and uh, Sean had uh, just, um, we hope, beat a pretty serious cancer thing that he discovered while he was here two years ago. And uh, so... You know, we're just uh, really happy that those things are happening. And, uh, you know, so just to be able to use those kind of skills, that stunts, that entertainment for good again, it's a pretty cool deal. Again, there's no no charge for that. And all the people here at the CHIP, free admission over there for the off-road racing, which starts on uh, Friday. We got the official kickoff of the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally on Friday night. Start off with a parade. We have a parade coming from – uh, a ride coming from Minneapolis, St. Paul, coming yep. in to stop at Mitchell for the pre Sturgis rally there with uh, Brian Clock and his organization. Right, they're all coming and riding in here Friday, going to lead the parade down in the amphitheater. Then we're going to make a bunch of noise, and uh, then uh, we're going <laughs> to then we're going to follow that up with a couple of bands and close with Quiet Riot. Speaking of a bunch of noise, right? You know, <laughs> and so. Yeah, it. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun this year. That's that's a fact. That's that's incredible. So that's that's going to be a lot of fun. And so you know, for folks that want to be able to see more of what's going on, accommodations, camping, everything else, uh, 
you can go to the Buffalo Chip website. Uh, it's very, very well built out website. You can find all the information you need about the Buffalo Chip, the events that are going on, the charitable organizations that uh, Woody and his team's involved in. Uh, there's a, a plethora of information there. So I would encourage you there. If you're going out to Sturgis, check it out. There's a lot of stuff going on. You don't have to be staying at the chip to enjoy the events that are going on there. So, so Woody, we we do a little thing here. We like to ask uh, each of our guests. We like to close the show by asking three questions. And uh, I think we're to the point where, you know, it's time to ask you three questions. And everybody gets the same questions. And I'm really looking forward to hearing your answers. I think they're going to be uh I think they're going to be insightful and they're going to be interesting. So the first question I have for you, if you could go ride with anybody, you know, uh, past or present, who would you like to go ride with? You know, my son, Damon, um, we, uh, Peter Fonda used to run after the rally. He would ride down the east side of the uh, the continental divide to the Mexican border, then back up the uh, west side. And um, so Damon and I, took that ride mm, 14, 15 years ago. Again, I suppose it might've been that long because Damon uh, got married and had kids and all that kind of stuff since then. It's just time that we both took a little ride. Right. And, uh, you know, what we did wrong was um, for us, but since we're starting, you know, a little later when we got to Glacier National Park and when we took a little detour and went through, um, you know, uh, Idaho went down uh, to the uh, Lockshaw River, whatever, right? You get to that sign where it says that it's got the little curvy thing like this, this next, yep. next 77 miles, right? right. What a, you know, you couldn't find a better ride anyplace, right? So instead of going to Glacier National Park at the end of the ride, we should start off at the first of the ride because by the time we got there, you know, we rode through inches of rain which was a foot of snow by the time we got there and they weren't going to plow the roads open. And so, you know, um, we kind of cut back, went through Yellowstone, um, got snowed on there just ridiculously. I'd like to do that ride in reverse and not have the snow. So I think probably that would be my favorite ride. It's like starting the Appalachian Trail and hikes from the north going south because you don't want to end it in the ice and the snow and everything else. So, yeah. Makes a lot of sense. So now you've you've ridden a lot of different things through the years. You know, um, you've seen a lot of different bikes. But if you could have any bike, what what motorcycle would would Woody like to have? Oh, I get kind of laughed at about that. I mean, um, my '99 Lowrider really is my favorite uh, favorite bike, and a number of people think that that's just not good enough for me. And then. I uh, inherited uh, from one of my employees that I was given a bike to a 2004 fat boy that I kind of souped up a little bit. And uh, that's kind of my favorite ride for the moment. But Lloyd uh, Greer um, and Tim Sutherland from uh, Lloyd's garage, who built a garage out here at the chip, but also are so handy enough to have helped design the engine for Indian, I think. And, uh, the Victory Motorcycle and had the largest Victory dealership in the country and doing okay with Indian okay as well. Um, they just made a custom for me that I don't have yet. And I have okay. a feeling, I have a feeling I'm really going to like that one. And I'm thinking that uh, I'm going to be riding that down to Durango um, right after the rally because of Labor Day, there's a, uh, the Four Corners Rally. The Four Corners Rally. Yeah. Yep. And so I think I get to be the Grand Marshal for the parade for that thing. And I think I'll just ride in there on the bright, shiny new uh, Indian that Lloyd made. It's something like 126 horsepower. I won't have any trouble passing anybody to get there. No, no, you'll get there in a uh, quick order, right? Yeah, I think it's going to be a, an upgrade. <laughs> so, so I'm telling the truth in advance here. I think that's my favorite bike. Oh, look, at, I can't wait to see it. So that's uh, that's going to be fun. My last question for you, if you can go ride anywhere in the world, and maybe in some ways you already answered that, but you go ride anywhere in the world, where would you like to go ride? You know, I think I did already answer that. I haven't been around the rest of the world, and I'm having less and less desire to uh, travel around Asia and different places 
that I might have had in the past. I love this country. I love the Rocky Mountains. I love the history out here. I mean, the Kit Carson Forest uh, down in Colorado and New Mexico, wherever it is, some of the Aztec stuff down there. The roads are just so magnificent. Um, you know, coming down the mountain into Silverton, Colorado. Um, yeah. 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 You know, I mean, I, I love that kind of stuff well enough to do it more than once, you know? Yeah. So, okay. yeah so I, I just think that that route, you know, trans, you know, continental divide down one way up the other way. Right. And uh, there's just such a, such a nice deal. And it's really cool to take some detours and maybe see silver city, Montana, and some of those old West things that, you know, maybe aren't quite as ghost townish as uh, one might think anymore. I mean, people are moving into those places again. Well, look at Georgetown, Colorado, right there on 70. I mean, that's you know one of the best preserved towns in the West. And, uh, you know, Silver Spurs right next to it. Um, that sounds fantastic. And a lot of people are moving into it because it's not that far from Denver. And it's it's got most of its original buildings. It's a it's a cool, cool town. And, you know, and you talk about Carson. I mean, there's a guy, you know, people don't realize, you know, there was a guy that was also you know, scout, you know, Medal of Honor winner and everything else, you know, what a, what a great life, you know, and uh, deserves to have a forest named after him. He's buried right there, not too far out of Colorado, out of Denver, right? So, you know, Robert's been listening and I think he thinks we're about done. So he just brought me a little uh, refreshment for the end of the deal. So here's to you and everybody watching your show. Um, we love everybody on a motorcycle because really, when you're out, when you're on a motorcycle and you run into other people on motorcycles, you just know you're talking to somebody who's going to help you, who's going to be friendly, who's a good person. I, I just really believe that. John Paul DeJoria put him into the Hall of Fame a few years ago. And I never heard a speech anywhere as elegant as uh, the two or three minutes that he said just that so much better than I just did. But, you know, that's that's true. When you're talking with bikers, you're talking with good people, and that's what our blessing is here. Absolutely. We've got so many friends, like the old Elvis Presley song, right? i got neighbors, i got friends just about everywhere the rainbow ends, and then he should just say, and they have a motorcycle, right? <laughs> so, Absolutely. So is Robert standing there? No, he went back in the other room. Okay. So Robert Pandia, so, you know, and now, now he's a, a great new member of the organization, so uh, that's exciting news. So, Woody, you know, this has been great. Um, I hope everybody, and I believe they will, you know, walk away feeling like they know a little bit more about you and the Buffalo chip and everything else. And sir, thank you so much for coming on with us. It was a wonderful time. And I hope everybody out there in Knuckle Buster World, you know, enjoyed this interview. Thank you, sir. Here's to all of you. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Bye now. Bye.